Welcome to Canadian Equities, a short bi-weekly podcast series where we speak with top business leaders and hear their perspectives on the industries in which they operate. For the full-length version, find our link in the podcast notes or connect with us at acumencapital.com. Since its founding in 1998, Pato has grown from a standing start to 80,000 BOEs a day, almost exclusively via organic growth, and has returned on average 28% since inception. Pato is now one of Canada's largest natural gas producers. Pato CEO Darren G joins Robert Cooper to discuss energy companies, LNG, the natural gas market, and the energy transition. Pato has in large part been a low-cost story since inception. The energy business has at times been a bit profligate in its spending. So how did Pato do it differently and infuse that low-cost element into the company's culture? Well, Rob, you know, I think um, we recognize right from the get-go, um, I mean, when we built Pato, it was with some seasoned veterans from the industry. And and those guys, uh, you know, all understood that this is a commodities-based business and we don't control the price of the commodity, unfortunately. So we have to focus on those elements of the business that we do control, uh, specifically the the cost side of the business, you know, that could be broken into a couple of parts, the capital component, which is us going out and investing capital dollars into drilling and developing uh, new production and the cash cost side of the business, which is really the operating costs, the transportation uh, and the GNA and interest in the corporate um, world. So, you know, it, it's those two sides of the business that we focus primarily on. We, we know that by controlling as much as we can, we can control the costs. So we want to operate all of the operations where we're investing capital to drill wells and frack wells and build pipelines and facilities. And and we also want to operate the production when it's being processed through our own facilities, uh, when we're operating the individual wells. Um, we want to look after the transportation arrangements for that product to market. And obviously, uh, we have GNA and interest costs corporately that we control. So those cost control buckets are where we focus our efforts because those are things that we can influence. Um, We've made choices along the way to enhance uh, the advantage of low costs, um, the type of asset that we develop, sweet natural gas, deep basin, long life, no water production, um, and making the investment in infrastructure so that we have low processing costs. We're not paying someone else a return on their capital investment. And then I think, too, uh, part of it stems from the fact that almost everything that we own at PETA, we went out and built ourselves. And, and so we understand it. Uh, we understand uh, its inception, uh, its genesis, and, and we built it ourselves. So we, we know exactly how it works and, and we know what it's all about. We don't have to relearn those things. Um, so they're easy for us to maintain those producing assets. I, I always liken it to building your own home. You, you know, if you were there, you cribbed the foundation, you poured the concrete, you were the one that framed the house, you ran all the electrical wires through it and all the plumbing through it and all the ducting, and then you boarded it all up and you painted it and finished it. But if you ever spring a leak or you have a short, you know exactly where to go to fix it. And it doesn't take you very long because you were there during the construction. So, you know, that's a little bit how our asset works. We can maintain it with very few people. We have low GNA and we have very efficient operating structure because uh, we built it ourselves. Pato has been, in essence, a natural gas company. 
Give the generalists out there that are listening a brief primer on the natural gas markets in Canada and the cost structure of the business ranging from F&D costs to cost of transport and then ultimately where the gas goes in terms of an end market. Yeah, I mean, the Western Canadian natural gas basin is uh, principally Alberta and B.C. That's where the majority of that 16 BCF a day of uh, Canadian gas production comes from. Yeah, I'd say, you know, about four to five out of B.C. and 10 to 11 out of Alberta. Um, it's almost exclusively gathered by uh, the Trans-Canada Nova system. That, that's about 12 BCF or 13 BCF is gathered on that system alone. And then the balance goes out the, the either West Coast system through BC or it goes out through the Alliance pipeline down into Chicago as a direct straight shot. But the Nova system really gathers gas from lots of different areas across British Columbia and Alberta and then redistributes it to consumers within British Columbia and Alberta as well. So it's both a gathering and a distribution uh, system. So we've got a lot of gas coming onto that pipe in Alberta and then going off to either the cities, the big cities, or the oil sands or the industrial uh, regions that are consuming the natural gas. And then the excess we have obviously gets shipped out of uh, Alberta, principally down the West Coast uh, to California and Oregon or uh, out northern border system into the Great Lakes area, Chicago uh, type markets, or straight down the main line to eastern Canada. And that bit of export that we have has been shrinking over the years um, just because we've had such good domestic demand growth within Alberta. A lot of coal to gas switching has happened. A lot of uh, uh, oil sands industrial demand has grown over the years. So we have a lot of consumption alone just in Alberta and, and British Columbia for that matter. And we're starting to look at more export markets, you know, with the BC West Coast LNG looking like that's going to come to fruition uh, middle of the decade here. And then we've got more demands coming from the U.S. market. Now, part of that is because the U.S. is also exporting out the Gulf a lot of gas. And so they're, we're dumping into the north uh, part of that basin and part of that their market uh, some, some exports. And then they're turning around and exporting a lot out the south of their whole market. But it, there's been a lot of dynamic over the last few uh, years or even over the last decade, really. We've moved from a... I would say a demand-driven market in North America where we were short supply uh, relative to the demands uh, over to a supply-driven market where we grew a lot of the shale gas and resource basins quite rapidly. And as a result, we overwhelmed demand with too much new supply. And that obviously pushed the price down a lot. Uh, that's starting to rebalance now, particularly with exports off of the North American continent. And really, those exports have grown to the point where now we've we've almost begun to globalize natural gas, or at least North America participates in the global gas market in a more real way that has uh, tied our pricing, I think, a little bit to the demands around the world for natural gas. We're seeing that with LNG movement, and we're seeing that with LNG pricing starting to trickle back into North America. So, you know, we've gone through a, a period of uh, supply-driven market where all the producers and uh, deliverers of gas focused on cost structure. We, we, we took and, and lowered the supply cost of North American natural gas substantially from, you know, what was probably up in the $5, $6 range down into the 2 to $3 range. 
And now we're starting to see with the with the sort of connection to global markets, the demand for North American natural gas get to the point where uh, we've got this uh, great combination of low supply cost in that two fifty to three dollar range and some much higher uh, prices globally for the commodity. So there's some nice profit to be made by the industry now that we're connected uh, to those global markets. We're seeing all over the world right now the ramifications of the so-called energy transition, which has crashed on the shores and into the rocks of reality here as energy shortages and skyrocketing prices have occurred all over the world. And those are going to impact margins and other businesses and inflation, among other issues. So how does the energy transition play out in your estimation? Yeah, I think what we're seeing now is that Regardless of how good a job the producers and the people that deliver that energy to the consumers do, I mean, we can get to net zero, but it doesn't have a big enough impact if the consumers don't change the way that they consume energy. 20% is on the production of energy uh, of the emissions, 80% is on the consumption of that energy. So our consumer is going to change their behavior. And you can't force it upon them. They have to make that choice themselves. Um, economics play a big role in that choice. What's affordable, what's reliable, and what's economic. Um, and, and I think what we're seeing right now is that there's been such a dramatic shift to try and transition off of fossil fuels too rapidly that it's causing a huge impact economically. It's, it's not affordable to do it. And we don't have an alternative that's reliable. And so until we do have really an affordable and reliable alternative, it's going to be very hard to move off of fossil fuels. And, and the question is going to be then, are consumers prepared to just do without? And I think there's many that are going to decide that it's too critical to their quality of life to do without. So we're at a bit of a stalemate. Um, and we may actually, the pendulum, pendulum may have to swing back and forth a few times to find that balance in the middle. And hopefully that buys us enough time to expand the delivery systems. You know, if we're going to electrify everything, then we've got to grow the grid a lot. That requires a lot of new raw material to be mined and a lot of new construction to happen to be able to get to a point where we can electrify a lot more of our energy demands daily. We've got to have a lot better storage capacity for that electricity. Um, and, And personally, I think that the you know, what produces that electricity is going to have to change. Um, the renewables are, are not going to be enough. So if we want to take fossil fuels out of the equation, we're going to have to replace it with something that's just as reliable as the fossil fuel industry is from an energy perspective. Darren G, CEO of Pato Exploration, thanks for joining us on the Canadian Equities Podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. Note that this podcast is not making an investment recommendation on any companies discussed. We welcome your comments on today's episode or any other episode. Connect with us at acumencapital.com.